from the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School. This is Career Talk on Business Radio. Here is your host, Dr. Don Graham. Welcome to Career Talk, your career insider. We are on Business Radio, and we are powered by the Wharton School Series XM Channel 111. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. I'm the career director for the Wharton MBA program for executives here in Philadelphia. I am also a licensed psychologist and former corporate recruiter, and we have the dream team in studio today, Michelle and Dion, and we are taking our calls right now. 844-WARDEN, 844-942-7866. So I have a question. Are you more comfortable negotiating, say, the price of a car or your salary? If you said the price of a car, there's a reason for that. In today's show, we're going to be talking all about negotiating, how you can get the edge and be more comfortable so that you can make more money, get that promotion, get that job, get all the things you want. Because let's just face it, negotiations are part of everyday life, and we want to make sure you are great at it. So to help us with that, we have a great guest, Tad Mayer, and I'm going to introduce him in just a second. But before that, I wanted to read something from the mailbag because, Dion, you got a shout-out, and I and I want to make sure you hear it because you're going to like this one. All right, so Dr. Donna, as an avid listener of your show, I wanted to write to say thank you so much for all of your help. Because of you, I'm on and following you on Twitter. Worked with Rock, Ross McPherson, shout out to Ross McPherson, on my LinkedIn profile, resume, and cover letter and got some great hacks. I am not stuck. And I love that you wrote that. And this is from Rob in Oklahoma, by the way. And, and the last sentence is what really I want to share is, and I truly think Dion is the one who is always right on the quizzes. I like Rob. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think I think Rob is right. Dion, you always have a great answer. It just tends not to be the answer. That's all. It's so, an answer. It is an answer. It is an answer. So, Rob, thank you so much for tuning into the show and for writing in. So, okay, back to the issue at hand, negotiating. So, hey, if you're just tuning in, we're taking our calls all hour at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. And we want to hear all of your questions on negotiating. So what is the last thing you negotiated? And what was the trick that made you successful? It doesn't have to do with a job search, but just curious. What's the last thing you negotiated and what was the trick that made you successful? Or maybe what was your downfall that made it fall apart? We'd like to hear either 844-WHARTON, that's 844-942-7866. So to help us with this topic today, we welcome Tad Mayer, who's the president of Career Negotiations. He's also an executive coach, trainer, and speaker, and he empowers professionals to advance in their careers. Due out in 2018, his book, Own the Job Hunt, uses a model to create relief, hope, direction, and results for frustrated professionals who are feeling stuck in their careers. Welcome to Career Talk, Tad. Thank you, Don. It's great to be here. I appreciate it. Yeah, I love that you say that because here on Career Talk, we say you are not stuck. You are not stuck, and we're going to help you get unstuck. So we're excited to have you on today. So negotiating is a very popular topic on this show because, of course, everybody wants to make more money and, and get the promotion. But what I like about your approach, Tad, is that you see negotiating as a necessary skill in every part of the job search, starting with networking and informational interviews. So it's not just that end piece of negotiating the offer. You see it as something that will make you successful throughout the process. So tell us a little bit about your philosophy on this. 
Well, you're right. It's really a mindset because in order to – when people negotiate, you know, let's take two people. Um, each one in a collaborative negotiation is trying to get their needs met. So I'm trying to get my needs met. They're trying to get their needs met. Um, that's the definition of a, of a negotiation. And neither of us can do it unless we understand what the other person's needs are. And so that whole idea of being curious about what's going on for the other person is essential. And that can be, um, you know, it can be in a traditional negotiation about buying something or it can be in your career. It really depends. So when you when you um, talk about every you, you say every interaction is a negotiation and that all of a sudden makes makes life a little overwhelming because I'm thinking like, wow, every every interaction is a negotiation. Um, what do you mean by that, Tad? Well, I, to, to preface that a little bit, every negotiation, every interaction in your career development is a negotiation. Oh, whew, whew. Yeah, when you're home. <laughs> All of a sudden, I was time. really stressed out. <laughs> like, this is a lot. This is a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but when you're, you know, even when you're just uh, talking with someone about your thoughts about what you may want, you know, your dream job, let's say you've got a great career, but you would, you're thinking about doing something different, even those conversations, because that person may have some ideas for you. And so if you share your need, if you will, that you're looking for ideas, you're looking for someone who knows what's important to you and what they've encountered that may be interesting to you, that suddenly becomes a negotiation. So I feel um, like negotiating is kind of like like the other the other like has become the new dirty word. Like networking has become like the dirty word because it's it's like oh it's all about schmoozing and it's slimy and all that. And I I work very hard in this show to talk about networking as relationship building and give and take and and how important it is in every aspect of your life. And I feel like negotiating has become sort of um, you know synonymous in in a way in terms of like just kind of being like slimy and 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 so let's define this because I don't think that we can really have a good discussion about this without defining what is negotiating on a very basic level. Sure, it's a great question. Um, so negotiating, I touched on this a little bit, it's, it's really the idea of having an interaction where two people or more are interacting in order to get their needs met, in order to meet what's called their interests, their needs, motivations, and aspirations. And what can take so if you look at a a traditional hardcore you know push on the other person negotiation where it's i'm trying to get my needs met but i couldn't care less about the other person mm -hmm. that can be slimy because it's like look i'm going to suck everything i can out of you and then when it's over i'm leaving and i got what i needed and you're in the dust the problem with that is if there's ever going to be another interaction be between you again it's not going to go so well for you Oh, yeah. Because, you, because of what you've done. You've damaged the relationship, essentially. Absolutely. So you bring Absolutely. up a good point, kind of in the, 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 the seminal book on this getting to yes. I mean, they talk about negotiating in two ways. And I think this is so critical. And I think about this every time I negotiate is that there's two things you have to take into consideration every time. You've got the task. And you've got the relationship. And, and in certain cases, and I kind of posed this question at the beginning of the show, are you more comfortable negotiating for a car, maybe a new car, or, or your salary? And I would, I'd venture to say most people are, are going to say with a car. And that's because in the car situation, you don't really have to worry about the relationship as much because mm -hmm. you're going to buy the car. You probably won't see the salesperson again. So it's not going to be this, this ongoing um, relationship like you were just talking about having to go back. Now, in the job situation and in a lot of situations with, with colleagues, friends, and, and family, the relationship is critical 
over the task. So you you may have to give a little bit more to maintain that relationship. And certainly in a job situation, the relationship is critical because you're if it's your boss you're negotiating with, yes, you want to get your highest salary, but you have to balance that with keeping a good relationship with your boss. And that's when negotiation gets really dicey and difficult. So how do people how can people do that, Tad? I know that's a big question. <laughs> Um, but it's really a process question. It's really a question of how do you go into that discussion in a way that you're not going to kill the relationship. And so this, you know, one of the easiest ways is to start by going and asking a lot of questions of the other person, taking interest in what do they, what do they want, what's going on for them, because you know, people love to be listened to. Uh, and you're not doing it just to just to make them feel good. You're doing it because you're gaining information, which is really important to figure out how you can help them when they're going to help you. Mm-hmm. So um, curiosity. And- curiosity is something that I think is, a, is, is not only a win-win in negotiating, but I also think in networking as well because it helps to build that relationship. Like you said, everybody likes to be listened to. Everybody likes to feel like somebody's interested in the work they do or whatever, the project that they're doing. So asking questions is key. Hey, if you're just tuning in, we are talking all about negotiating with Tad Mayer, who's the president of Career Negotiation. So if you have a question on negotiating or you have a tip, give us a call at 844-WHARTON. That's 844-942-7866. Or I'm going to invite you to call if you disagree with something we're saying, because we love it when there's differences of opinions on career talk. Hey, I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. Tad Mayer is our guest, and we are talking about negotiating in all aspects of the career search. So, okay. So let's go back to, um, let's backtrack a little bit and talk about, uh, you know, the topic of, of career, excuse me, negotiating in all aspects of your career and this idea of being curious. So let's, like, it starts, Tad, in the networking. So tell us about how that works. Well, you've really hit it on the head because when you're networking, it is so essential to promote those relationships and to really feed them because when you're networking, the whole game is you may be able to come up with something that one of you can do for the other today, but there's an even better chance that it's going to be later that something's going to happen where one of you is going to remember the other and say, oh, have you met this person or, oh, did you hear about this job opening or, oh, you know, something else. And so in order for them to remember you, you have to become a resource to them and keep feeding that relationship Otherwise, they're going to forget about you, and not because there's any malice, but because you're, you're not meeting their needs. And so that's why it's so important to build that relationship and figure out what's important to them and then say, you know, it can be as simple as sending articles to them about what's important to them, or it can be like there, there, there are a lot of other things which can be even more valuable to them. So, yeah, so I, it's so funny you bring up the sending articles because I, I <laughs> short story about me, I recently found a blog that I, or a newsletter I published 10 years ago. And um, <laughs> it's funny because that was my exact advice about publishing art or sending people articles. And what I realized is I've asked people, have you ever done this? And people <laughs> have never done it. Um, <laughs> and so it, it seemed like a good idea at the time. But I know I get this from from my clients and my students about like, okay, well, what if I don't have an article to send? Like, how do I maintain this relationship over time? And and then the second part of that question, Tad, is how do I know if this is somebody I actually want to maintain a relationship with over time? Because certainly I can't invest in every single person that I meet. Sure. Um, 
And so I, I think I'm going to reverse it and talk, and talk first about how do you know first, if that's okay. Perfect. Um, and that is where that curiosity is so, is so important because, you know, I get introductory emails from people in my network all the time saying, hey, Tad, I think you really should meet with this person. They do, the, you know, this, that, and the other thing. I think you guys could help each other out. And our first meeting is, an, is, is sort of an exploratory meeting to find out, really understand what they do, really understand the kinds of people they interact with every day, and really see if there is a way that we can, we can help each other. And so that curiosity, if I don't ask any questions, I'm not going to find out. So it's kind and of so, asking those questions, you know, for example, if you want to get to the second date. Like, is there anything here that's got <laughs> substance, that's got, like, you know, that, that is going to, that we connect on, that we have commonalities in, that, you know, so it's kind of like that. Exactly. And for instance, I was meeting with someone this morning, and we were, and I didn't really understand his business, and he didn't really understand mine. And as I asked more questions, I found out that he deals with C-suite executives, and he also deals with um, people who are in the business development side of things and a lot of different areas. And suddenly, as I understood his business better and his network, suddenly I started to see a lot of ways that, I, that, that he could help me. And then I turned it around and said, look, can, you know, can I explain a little bit of what I do so you can see how I might be able to help you? And we both saw it where in the first five minutes of the meeting, we weren't there at all. We just didn't get where each other was coming from. Mm-hmm. And that's so important. And I, I just want to like make sure I stick on this topic for just a second because I think it's so important for people who are listening that you cannot underestimate anybody you meet because, um, you like you said, in the first five minutes, you're like, I don't see really any connection. But the more you dig, you start to realize, like, wait, we do have con- commonality whether it's in in business or in things you do in your personal life or hobbies. But the other thing is second-level contacts. I mean, people totally underestimate uh, the second level context. So you might meet somebody, maybe they're not in your industry, or maybe they're that they don't do something that's in your wheelhouse, but their spouse does, or their their associate does. Or I mean, you. I think curiosity is the key to unlocking all these doors. Because I've seen so many people, Ted, go to these networking events and be like, "I didn't meet anybody," and I'm like, "Come on, come on! How can you be in a room of eighty people and not have met anybody?" And I think it's because we're not asking the right questions. We're not digging beneath the surface to find. Find out who people really are. So, there are there any great questions that you have to kind of get to these nuggets faster? Because most of the time we show up and we're like, "Hey, yeah, it's raining. The weather sucks." And yeah, oh, what are you doing here? Oh, I came here as speaker. Oh, yeah, me too. And bleh. Of course, you're not going to get anywhere with that. What can people ask? So, you know, going back to the, the straight sort of negotiation training, broad, open-ended questions that are really short are really helpful. You know, what do you do? What, what, what? Who's a, who's a good referral? There are those specific questions which, which people know. But, you know, you can also, especially when you're first meeting people, asking people that brings them into it more by saying things like, how did you get into that? What first, what first spurred your curiosity to, to go into that? Something where it's like to take some interest in their story. And that's the way, especially when you first meet someone, it's an easier one than just jumping right to who's a perfect referral for you. Yeah, I think that's important, those how questions and, and, you know, what made you get into this and all of those things. Because when you ask what do you do, I mean, a lot of these networking events, you're going to find people who are in transition. And that just, like, is a conversation under... (laughs) Right? So, you know, well, I'm in transition. Okay. Um think they're restarting the buffet let's go but if you say something like what do you love about the work you do it doesn't matter if you're working 
or not? I mean, somebody can answer that question. Well, what I love about being a project manager, what I love about, and it gives them the opportunity to talk about that. And then it gives you as the asker a nugget to like you were talking about, Tad, dig deeper. Well, how did you get into that? And, you know, what do you see in terms of the market and da da da? And you can find those nuggets. Hey, if you're just tuning in, we are taking your calls right now, 844-844-942-7866. We're talking all about negotiating. So if you would like more money, and I know that everybody listening is saying, yes, I would like more money, give us a call at 844-WHARTON. That's 844-942-7866. But I also have another question for you. If you're one of the, the people who is nodding your, or shaking your head, no, I don't want more money, then here's your question. What is the last thing you negotiated, and what was... The trick that got you to the success point. Um, Michelle, <laughs> I'd like to hear from you. <laughs> sure. I have one, actually. Okay. Uh, it's not job related. Doesn't um, have to be. Doesn't have to be. Yes. So I successfully, I was just telling Dion about this today because <laughs> he has the same thing coming up. I successfully negotiated. They wanted to raise my rent where I lived. Ooh. And I really had all these Wharton folks in my head and a couple of friends Ooh. that were like, you can negotiate anything. Everything's <laughs> negotiable. And so I called and I was just I did have some insight as to what um, people around me um, did or did not have their rent increase to um, when their uh, time Data. came up. I had data. Well and done. so I said, listen, I talked to a guy on my floor who's paying this. You know, is that can I go to a larger unit or is there anything Ooh. we can do? Like I gave options. Nice. <laughs> I was informed. I gave I gave options. And basically I negotiated a two year lease with no increase. So Woo-hoo. I'm locked in with no increase for two years. So, so let's recap. You you got had your data. So yep. You did your research. Yep. And you um, you found out what other people were doing. That's and right. And you gave options. And I highlighted what I do well. I said I pay my rent early every month. I'm a great tenant. My neighbors love me. Love living here. I don't want to leave. But I don't want to overpay for this apartment. Mm-hmm. Dang. <laughs> Dang, Michelle. She's she'll, she, she, She'll be calling my place next. <laughs> I told him. I was she, like, I'll make the call for you. I'm she, ready. Yeah, I, I know. She could be my <laughs> negotiator because I, I'll tell you what, Dion, when I was thinking of this question for the show and I was thinking, like, what is my example? Um, I thought uh, – all my all my negotiations have failed, but I can tell you why they failed. Like I know why they fail, and and Todd, you can probably coach me on this. They fail because I, I I do all the things Michelle does. Like I know how to do this, but then I the, my I let my emotions get the best of me. Mm-hmm. I get emotional, and then like my voice gets high pitched, and I like I try and control it, but it starts to come out, and like and they know once they smell emotion, they're like, I am not negotiating with you. You're you're done. So I screw myself that way, Tad. I worry about that, too. I always do. (laughs) And I was worried about doing it then, and so I really tried to keep it neutral. Um, But one thing I do do and that I did do was get too nice because then I start saying, I mean, is there anything we can do? Uh, It wasn't like I'm going to move if this happens it was well, just ultimatums like, are hard because it, like, you don't want to move you just you exactly. just moved and you're thinking packing boxes so it's like when you yeah right. exactly. you have to be willing if you're going to put that ultimatum mm-hmm. out there you have to be willing to execute yep that's and, right so and if they smell you're not willing to execute and they do like tad i think people are very <laughs> like tuned into you know th- like this person's not going to back down or this person will back down <laughs> 
yeah, this is such a great example. And Michelle, nice job because Thanks. you you know you you not only went into it as 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 you were just saying, Don, that you went into it with data and information and negotiated from that place instead of from a place of emotion. You didn't just go in there and say, "Hi, I'm a really nice person. I really don't want a, a, a rent increase. So can you not increase increase the rent?" You went in there with with something that and and you know underlying was you had an interest of fairness. And so you laid that out for them and explained why it was in your landlord's interest to keep you in the apartment. You pay your rent on time, et cetera. Yeah. Well um, done, Michelle. Well done. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, guys. I'm, I'm thinking next time I'm negotiating anything, I'm going to call you first. <laughs> well, and it's interesting, Tad, because there, there's actual research that says that, um, I mean, there's there's a lot of gender differences in negotiating uh, and, and there's... The fact is women and men negotiate equally as well. Where women fall down, according to the research, when you dig deeper, is that if there's ambiguity in the situation. So if there's ambiguity, uh, we as women, or if you're just in general not a great negotiator, you have to reduce that ambiguity somehow. And that's exactly what you did, Michelle. You got the data. You found out what other people are paying on your floor. You had concrete information about paying your rent on time and being a good tenant and not trashing the place. And there it was. And you got it. And and other interesting fun fact, women perform better at negotiating on behalf of others than when negotiating for themselves. That that difference does not emerge in men. So for sure, if I need to negotiate, I'm calling Michelle, not Dion. <laughs> <laughs> and you really impress your landlord when you walk in with your negotiation agent. Yeah, Michelle, my negotiator. But come on, Dion, tell us about a time you negotiated. Uh, you know what? The the last time I can really remember negotiating is is when I bought my truck, and I gave him a number. The the number was actually lower than the the number I was supposed to give him because mm-hmm. somebody gave me a number when I was there before it, but that guy didn't didn't work there anymore. So I said I'll knock a few dollars off, and I just stuck there with my number and I said, you know, this is this is what I want to pay. I want all the insurances mm-hmm. and all the coverages and bumper to bumper and all that. If you can't give it to me, I'll go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And I was there. And you were willing to walk away. That oh, was yeah, because I, yeah. I, mm-hmm. I was I was trading in my my car that I had. And they wanted to give me, I think they wanted to give me like 500 for it. I was like, no, I, yeah, I, I want 1000 <laughs> And they were like, well, we can. I was like, well, then I'll drive it away. Mm-hmm. And um, I was there for about six hours. And Six oh, hours? Yeah. I was there for six hours. Okay, Ted, I have to point this out. This is another key <laughs> negotiating strategy. Stamina. Stamina. I am I am here. I'm eating your food. Yeah, they, I'm, they I'm they in your break me room. Donuts and coffee. Um I'm like <laughs> I was changing channels on, on, yeah. on, on the TV. Using your Wi Fi. And they, they they were doing the whole well, let me go talk to the guy and I saw him go oh, over to that. the corner and talking or whatever. And they gave me all these numbers that I wasn't okay with. And if, if, when they, the number we ended up coming up with was eight dollars over my number. I was like, I'll take that. <laughs> eight dollars. <laughs> Guess we can do that. <laughs> awesome. So there. Thank you, Dion. That was a great example. The stamina piece. They know you're 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 gonna stick it out. You're gonna just go wear them down. Tad, is that a good strategy? <laughs> sure, especially in a situation like this where the relationship doesn't really matter yes. to you. It's not like you're gonna buy a car every day from them. Um, and so if the, if you hang around, bug them, who cares? Mm-hmm. So that was a great idea. Um, and you also went in there with your information. You had a number that had been given to you before. So you had someplace to start from that was, that was, you know, from, which was good information. 
There you go. So we've got data, stamina. We've got, um, you know, showing how you've already been a good customer. And so all of these things matter. So we're going to start talking a little bit about how to apply these in your job search and how to apply these in your negotiation. But if you're just tuning in, hey, tell us what is the last thing you negotiated and what was the thing that made it successful or not successful as in my case. So I, I will say one time emotion did work for me and it was in terms of of the uh, car buying experience. I literally threw my purse at the guy and said, just take all my money then. Just take it all. <laughs> and I, I think he was so freaked out of my like emotional breakdown that he's just like, all right, get, buy it and get out of here. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I remember I threw my purse across the table. Was, I don't know why. I can't imagine you doing that. I know. Well, okay. And um, in all fairness, like it, it was... 20 years ago, I was I was young. It was my okay. first negotiations, and I don't know why I thought that was a strategy that would work. It did work. <laughs> it's never worked again. Um, so I would say cross that off your list and, and move on to Michelle and Dion's strategies. Hey, you're taking your calls at 844-WHARTON. That's 844-942-7866. If it's Thursday, noon Eastern time, we are live with the Dream Team, Dion and Michelle who have, have shared great examples of negotiating. We know you have them too, 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866, or you could tweet at Dr. Don Graham or follow my blog, dawnoncareers.com. And we are here with Tad Mayer, who is the president of Career Negotiations. And right now we are going to go to our pre-break quiz. Quiz. There's a Quiz. Okay, a recent article published on Quartz wrote about the latest perk from companies looking to lure millennials. What is it? What is the latest perk from companies looking to lure millennials? Hint, it has something to do with the office. Think you know, 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. You're listening to Career Talk on SiriusXM Channel 111. We'll be right back.
You're listening to Career Talk on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Here again is Dr. Don Brand. Welcome back to Career Talk, your career insider. We are on Business Radio, and we are powered by the Wharton School. Here with the dream team, Michelle and Dion, and I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. Hey, want my great advice delivered right to your inbox, dawnoncareers.com. We are here with Tad Mayer, who is the president of Career Negotiations, who has his book coming out in 2018 called Own the Job Hunt. And Tad, where can people reach you if they'd like more information? Well, uh, my website, careernegotiations.com, and actually if people go to careernegotiations.com slash radio, they can download the introduction to the book. Fabulous. Own the Job Hunt. That's Tad's book coming out in 2018. So we're talking all about negotiating. And hey, if you'd like to share a negotiating experience, 844 Wharton. That's 844-942-7866. If you missed the pre-break quiz question, hey, a recent article said the latest perk from companies looking to lure millennials is this. Hint, it has something to do with the office. But we're going to go to Brenda in New Jersey before we answer that question. What's on your mind, Brenda? Hi, thanks for taking Hi. the call. Yeah. Um, I'm in sales, so I'm pretty good at negotiating, but I've been failing lately with my stepson and evaluation of his resume. Ooh. Um, his objective is not very good, and some of his points on the resume are not good, but he feels it's good. Okay. Um, he feels that he doesn't want to change it. And it's not, we're not getting anywhere. And I didn't know if you had any thoughts on dealing with millennials um, and, and maybe understanding, he doesn't understand that he's entry level and he doesn't want to shortchange himself. Right. So I didn't know if you had any negotiating skills that I could try to work <laughs> on him with. So, okay, first off, you're his mom. So that means anything you say is wrong. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, I should say my daughter listened to me. <laughs> For so, a lot of things. So, okay, well, wh- what's your son's name, Brenda? Um, Matthew. Matthew. Okay, so Matthew. Um, let's let Tad. Let's just address this right now. So, so Matthew, here a couple of things. One, you don't even you don't even need an objective on the resume. What you need is what you offer to an organization. What is the value you offer? So, when you're looking at your resume, um, and even when you're answering interview questions or doing your LinkedIn profile, think about the things you've done, the practical things you've done, jobs you've held, maybe projects you've done in class, and what was the value? What are those core skills that you bring to the table? Do you have an example of when you were a great team player? Do you have an example of when you were a great leader? Do you have an example of when you've negotiated well or influenced somebody to do something? Think about those examples. That's what you want on your resume. And in terms of, uh, Tad, how would you address the, the – because the, this, I think, is, is negotiating on Matthew's part, the, the going for a bigger job and not selling yourself short. Because I, I agree, you shouldn't sell yourself short, but at the same time, you have to be realistic when you're going for your first job or an early job that you know you're not going to be the CEO. Yeah, so there there are a few different ways to handle it, and and one is you know looking at sort of objective information, information that you don't have control over, so Matthew doesn't think you're manipulating it. Um, that shows you know articles in on on the internet or blogs or other things on career expert sites that explain you know the right level job to go for for the right candidate and where you are in your career. 
So mm-hmm. if you can steer Matthew to, towards stuff like that, it'll take you out of it, and he'll be learning it from people who are experts in the field. Yeah, and um, so that's great advice, Ted. So maybe there's a career center that he can go to at his um, university, or maybe there's a local community mm-hmm. career center. But going back to kind of Michelle's negotiation about getting data, finding data about what people with his with his skill level have um, and what they tend to do, and then the jobs, if he is going for jobs that you know are just beyond the skill level or the experience level that he has, I mean, if you can find that data online and it's very clear, he sounds like a smart guy, they say, okay, this well, is not a match. The, the problem is he's not getting callbacks on yeah. his application. Okay. And, go ahead. No, go ahead. So he's not getting callbacks on his applications and you feel like it's the resume, but I'm wondering if it's something else. So... Here's my question, Brenda. Is he networking? Is he getting in front of the people where he's sending these applications? Because what we know is that companies who advertise get hundreds of applications. And even if even if Matthew has a stellar resume and I've not seen it, it's chances are it gets it gets lost in the applicant tracking system or it's it's not even looked at because there's so many resumes coming in. So yes, having a stellar resume will help. But if he's not getting in front of the decision makers, then that's kind of where the rub lies. And Tad, I know you talk about this in your book about getting in front of the decision makers. So what can what can Matthew be doing to beyond sending applications? Because, yes, that's that's a step. But getting in front of those decision makers. Yeah. So network, network, network. And it, it really it, it's really about the organizations he's involved with or joining or being a part of. Because the if you, you you want to join the organizations where decision makers are, um, and you want to go out there and meet these people, or, or at least meet people who know, may know the people at that company, and so because you're aiming for one of two things, what Don is mentioning is absolutely the best, which is if you can get to get to the decision maker for that job, that's ideal. Short of that, if you can't do that, is at least someone make contact and a connection with someone in the company who can at least. Give someone a heads up to look for your resume and pull it out of the, the pile or out of the ATS mm-hmm. um, so that it, it can see the light of day. Yeah. And Brenda, these can be your contacts. These can be other family contacts, maybe people from um, Matthew's school. I mean, really, everybody you meet, if you think about it, they've got their own circle, their own network. So, I mean, just just meeting one person can open up a completely new circle. And, um, you know, the resume, again, is, if that's the lead in. Even if it's stellar, it's going to get lost in the pile. It's going to get lost in so so. But if somebody knows Matthew and says, "Wow, this is a good kid. He shows up. He's reliable. Yeah, maybe he doesn't have all the skills we want, but hey, he's he's gonna he's gonna be a good employee and he's a part of positive attitude." Then sure, we'll give him a shot. And that's what you need. You just really need somebody to give him a shot. Then he can get in there and prove himself. So Brenda, best of luck. Um, we wish, uh, Matthew, if you're listening, best of luck as well in your job search. Hey, if you're just tuning in, it's Thursday. We're taking your calls all hour at 844-WHARTON. That's 844-942-7866. Hey, share with us a negotiation, success or failure, and what made it so, so that we can we can help everybody in their negotiations. Francisco in California, welcome to Career Talk. What's on your mind today? Thank you. I just... Uh, Yes, yeah, no. Are you about comfort, security, or growth? Okay, so you cut out a little bit there, Francisco. So can you repeat your question for us, please? 
No, no, I'm just saying that um, a couple pointers here. You have oh. to know yourself. What, who, oh. what kind of person are you? Are you looking for a job that gives you security? Are you looking for a job that gives you comfort? Are you giving for a job that's going to be growth? Because if you're applying for just because you need the money and you pay the rent, you're going to get security. You're going to get pigeonholed. And so it, it, you got to be you got to know who, who you are in the negotiation process in order to negotiate correctly. Because if you're a person about growth, you're negotiating a different in a, in a different way. Yeah. So, Francisco, I'm glad you brought this up because and I know you haven't read Tad's book because it's not out just yet, but Own the Job Hunt is coming out. And this is a key point that you you talk about, Tad, is really knowing yourself and negotiating with yourself, because if you don't have that self-awareness about what you want, how can you have a successful negotiation? So tell us what that means, Tad, as you as you um, point that out in your book. Yeah, Francisco, I'm glad you brought this up because you're absolutely right. People have to do, they have to create their own interest profile to understand the real drivers that are inside them and they have to prioritize them. And I was just working with a client a couple days ago and, you know, there are probably 30, 40 things on the list that are important to this person. And she, her process right now is to prioritize those, find out the ones that are most important because those are the ones that are going to drive her decision. It doesn't mean the other ones aren't important, but they're not as important so that she can help focus, to your point, what is most important to her in this job search so she can, so she can identify what she's shooting for. And this, and this, Tad, is kind of what we were talking about earlier when, you know, we're talking about Dion and Michelle's um, negotiating situations. About what's your walk away point? Because you need to understand if one, you do have a walk away point. And if in Francisco's example, maybe if you know you're just looking, for, you need a paycheck. Maybe you don't have a walkaway point, and you know you're you're going to accept it. But if you do have a walkaway point, you have to know what that is so that you can be mindful of that in the negotiating. Hey, eight four four Warden, eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. Francisco, thank you so much for calling. Great point, and um, Tad, I know you talk about that a lot in your book that's coming out in two thousand eighteen. Own the job hunt. Hey, we've got the dream team here. Michelle's taking your call. All hour eight four four Wharton eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. You can also follow us at Dr. Don Graham on Twitter. But let's talk about our pre-break quiz. So here was the question: A recent article published on Quartz wrote about the latest perk from companies looking to lure millennials. What is it? Is something to do with the office, Dion? Okay. So- All right. Doesn't matter what you say because Rob in Oklahoma. Thinks you're right. Just remember that. Just remember that, Dion. I'm going to say flexible work environments. So, quote unquote. That's office. very vague. That's very yeah, what does that vague. Mean? It means that you can work from the office. What does that mean? Or you you're, can work from home. Dion's doing air quotes, and I, I and I don't really know what that means. Well, <laughs> because you said it, it has to do with the office, so you don't have to be in the office. This is very deep. That's very deep. It's very it's, deep. It's very deep and it's flex it's, work. Yeah, it's so broad that it's right, but it's like, I'm, yeah, but it's so broad that it's <laughs> I'm like still dinging. Yeah, okay, <laughs> I, I'll give you, I'll give you a, a half. It encompasses it, every answer. Yeah, no, it really is. There like, you go. We we let you do anything you want I'm go, flexibly. I'm going for broad now. Yeah, broad. That, that's that, good. That, that seems to work for me. It's a good strategy, but okay. So yeah, I think that's kind of half right. But Michelle, do, you, do can you like? I think I might know. Narrow it down for us. Because there's new. I mean, I wouldn't have known. I wouldn't have guessed this until you said that. But there's news um, surrounding controversy about this. So I'm guessing it's going to be unlimited vacation time. 
No. But, oh. but you're right. There is news um, surrounding that. And I, I would love to bring up that Shut topic up, sometime dude. because that's that's an interesting one. There's there's a lot then of... Then I'll say flexible office environments. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, you're both you're both right-ish. Um, so later, I'm, I'm writer. <laughs> he's writer. Michelle's right-ish. Always. Um, so latest perk from companies looking to lure millennials, offices that double as homes. Architects and designers are being charged to create offices with relaxed vibes in the hope that it will blur the distinction between home and office, making the latter a more appealing place for employees to spend time. So they're they're calling this at recent trade shows are calling this trend resumercial. So a combination of residential and commercial and involves providing, I love this, a palette of postures where workers can choose from desks or couches or recliners and soft textures and cozy environments. Um, so, yeah, what do you think about that? <laughs> I just think I was right. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's just cut to the heart of it. You're right. I'd just be happy with windows. Yeah. <laughs> a window. We don't have any windows in our office here, you, you just so everybody knows. You don't knows. need a palette of postures? <laughs> no. We I also offer, like some vitamin D, please. We offer you a palette of postures. Well. <laughs> so you can add this to your negotiation repertoire. If you can't get your base salary up, I would like a palette of postures in my office. <laughs> Okay, 844-844-942-7866. Hey, if you've got a negotiating fail or success, we want to hear from you and how you succeeded. So let's talk about Deanna and Michelle's successes, Tad, and how they relate to getting more money and in the job um, hunt because we've talked about a number of things. So so stamina, being willing to stand your ground, getting data is important. Um, demonstrating your value, in Michelle's case, as a good tenant. So, so let's talk about negotiating for the offer. This is a difficult thing to do because the task and the relationship are both critical to maintain. And obviously, the, you hope your boss wants you to come in happy and you want to come in at the highest base salary. But tell us about um, what your best strategies are when you get to this point in the job search. Um, well, first, I just want to touch on a couple more things. You were recapping what Michelle and, and Dion did, and I think there are a couple other things they did, which is, one, they prepared. Mm. They went in ready. And so many people just walk into negotiations, as you know, without even having thought about it, and I'll just wing it when I get there. Yep. So that was key. And also, Dion, one thing he mentioned, which I forgot to reflect back, is that he, um, he, had, he had that alternative. He had a hard and fast – he could go to another dealership. He had a strong – alternative to be able to walk away and go to somebody else. Mm -hmm. And that's powerful. So that gave the the dealership an incentive to actually work with them and try to figure it out. Right. So in some cases, you might have an alternative job offer. Um, Mm -hmm. In most cases, you probably won't. Uh, But let me just ask a question. If you do have an alternative job offer, do you think it's wise to pit one against the other? It depends on how much you like the other one. Because the first thing is, if you have an alternative job offer, but you don't really love it, then you're in the same predicament as not having one. So, um, so that's, that's well one said. Thing. But if you love them both, you can be very honest, and you can almost bring the you know when you're when you're talking to the person who just gave you the offer, you can try to pull them over to your side instead of like, instead of you know threatening them or anything. You can say, look, you know what, I, I got to level with you. I got this offer from this other company, and it's for X amount. Can you help me help me figure out how to take this off? Because I'd really rather be here. Mm-hmm. 
So I have a question about that, Tad. Yeah, sure. Um, what I want to know is when that happens, um, is it does it ever cause, let's say you put that offer against your current company and they accommodate it. Do, do you, don't you think that causes some animosity sometimes? And after that, maybe it creates a bad relationship. Or I think there's some studies that say it maybe only lasts a year after that and then they find a reason to fire you anyway. Like, Do you ever feel like there causes bad blood when you present that offer in the first place? You know, not in, in general, no, because when people are asked to join an organization, often part of their job is to advocate for themselves or for the company. So it's actually in the company's interest to have them negotiate for salary. Um, and companies that really don't want you to negotiate salary actually have a, a policy that they won't do it. Um, and it's very clear, and they've got it on their website and other places where they just where you can move stuff around within the compensation package, but they come out and say they will not negotiate salary. So I think if they've not chosen to make that policy out there, I think it's fair game. The issue is how much you ask for. If you really try to, you know, if you, you know, they offer you, uh, let's, you know, fifty thousand dollars, and you ask for ninety, yeah, that's going to leave some bad blood if you if you work something out. But if you ask for something reasonable and give them the data, and, uh, and again, I'm, it's a broken record, but work from data instead of emotion, you can work it out in a way where it's not going to be a sour taste. Yeah, and two, uh, two things. I think how you ask is a big deal. Like one of my favorite lines is, is there any flexibility? Because that way you're not saying I'm not accepting this. And, and you know, just is there any flexibility opens the conversation. And I also think going in with a uh, the relationship in mind and recognizing that this is this is a way to build the relationship. This is a way for you and your hopefully boss right. to be to have a deeper conversation that you're going to have lots of deep conversations over the course of your career. So this is an opportunity to to kind of take that first step and assume positive intent because assume that boss wants you to come in and be happy. And I think if you approach it that way, it, you know, it's going to be a very different outcome than if you approach it in a demanding or, you know, kind of way where you feel like you deserve it or egotistical. So I think that's that's kind of the how in this case is is pretty critical. We're going to go to Sean in California. Sean, welcome to Career Talk. What's on your mind today? Hey, yeah, um, I I've been self-employed uh, for 26 and a half years on my own company and uh, did pretty well at it, but I, I sold my company uh, about a year ago, and so now I was back in the job job market, which is very strange for me because now I have a boss and and all you know, in the corporate world and stuff. So I'm in business development, and I negotiated this salary, and it didn't. It did, the problem was is you have two partners. One of them, the, the controlling interest partner, uh, I guess, kind of put a kibosh on that. And so they went with a, a, a lower, much lower, basically half what I was making before. And so I'm kind of stuck with it right now because um, it's it's income. And my wife just graduated from college. And so she is trying to get a job. So it's like, well, you need money. You need a job. And so I took this job. But there were a lot of things along the line, like, for instance, yeah, we're going to get you a car because I'm doing a lot of traveling um, and things like that. And so none of those things have happened. And so now I'm still driving my car. I'm just making the same amount of money. I did leave the company for a month because, you know, I, I tried to go work out for with, with a, for another for a friend that did not work out. Fortunately, I was able to come back to that company. Same position. Um, but I'm just not really sure. 
where I should go from here because uh, I've, you know, again, being self-employed, um, I'm not quite sure if I should stay here, try to find another position. I, I've looked at a few things, but business development seems to me like a new term. What is that? It seems like it's sales. I'm going out talking with people very mm-hmm. different than what I did before. I offered a, a service. I got a check. I left. Everyone's happy. Now I'm going and talking about something that might happen in the future. It's it's uh, it's restoration work. So it's Sean. Let me ask you a question. How long have you been with this company? The the one you're with now. Um, I've been with this company for four months. For four months, and and that's and then you left a month. So yeah. Okay. Okay. Got it. Okay. So there's a couple of things, Sean, that I just want to uh, pull out here. Um, one, you you sound. I mean, just the tone of your voice over the radio you sound like this is like defeating you and i hate that i hate that because it's, it's yeah. that makes me feel like you feel stuck and we hate it on career talk when people feel stuck so let us help you get unstuck so there's a couple of factors tad i think that sean pointed out that i think are important like so one he's coming off of working on his own for 26 years um his wife just finished school is looking for a job so there is an aspect of right now at least in this moment that income is is seems to be critical um so Based on some of the things we've been talking about, Tad, what advice do you have for Sean? Well, you've you've got a, a, a decision to make, and it, it's true. It sounds like one of your constraints is you need income now. So it looks like you may need to stay in this position for a while, but that doesn't mean that you can't be looking for other stuff. Um, and so it sounds like you should take what spare time you have to figure out if you could work somewhere else, what would it be you'd want to do, and then figure out, um, build the network to get to that other position. And it sounds like you could take some time doing that, building that network, bringing value to other people so that it's robust and people will go to bat for you. Um, And if you can stick it out at this company so you can make some money for a little while anyway, while you do that, um, you should be able to get to a position that you're that that's more in line with what makes you what makes what drives you. Yeah, and I think just based on what we've been talking about, Sean, you know, you're kind of building up the like as Michelle's example from the the apartment, like you know, paid rent on time, good good tenant. I mean, building up that that resume of positive things is going to be helpful for you. And one thing I've heard as you talked about being in business for 26 years, and and it almost sounds like you talked about that as a negative, but I. Think think that's a huge positive you ran your own business for 26 years you sold it um it's i mean there's so many positive things it's so difficult to run your own business and have to do every single job and worry about every single thing and i imagine problems came up every day that you you solved and you put out fires and you you managed people and you hired and you fired and you dealt with attorneys and 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 taxes and all of this crazy stuff that I feel like you're selling yourself short in terms of what opportunities are out there for you. Because I imagine if you look at that 26 years and and here's where I would recommend you work with a career coach, because sometimes it's difficult to look in the mirror and see these things in yourself because you were good at them and you handled them and you said, this is what I had to do. But this is where somebody else can come in and just say, hey, you know, let's pull out these pretty amazing things that you've done and showcase them to your network and to the decision makers. Because I know just based on on having a business for 26 years that you have these things. And once you find 
out how to package them by working with a career coach and somebody who does this for a living, you're going to have so many opportunities to pick from that it's it's I mean, you're, you're going to be calling us back saying, OK, I don't know how to choose now and <laughs> and which one do I want to do? So I think that's your next step. Stay in the job. You need the money for now. Your your wife will be employed soon. That will be another kind of card in, in your or feather in your cap and that will give you more confidence but I feel like you need to find somebody who can really package what you've done in a way that um, really highlights the skills that you have to employers are going for so Sean good luck to you thank you so much for giving us a call and career talk sure Ted go ahead let me just add one thing to that I absolutely all your you're absolutely right Sean brings a lot of value because of all you've done you may be able to pack that value within the company you're in right now you may be able to make the right relationships within the company do the networking within the company and be able to bring value to them so that they see you as more of an asset than just business development and that may create an opportunity within the company that's more appealing to you so that's another avenue to, to investigate Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, especially if they, you know, I mean, you've, you've talked them into taking you back after leaving for a month. I mean, yeah. it seems like there is some flexibility, flexibility there. But Sean, don't sell yourself short. I think you've got you've got a lot that's maybe not coming through on your resume. And and yes, business development is, is a career that that is is difficult to define these days. But figure out where your strengths are, figure out what you want to do and go for it, because I think you have a lot of opportunities awaiting you. Hey, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Career Talk. We're taking your calls all hour at 844-WARDEN. That's 844-942-7866. We are here with Tad Mayer, who has a book coming out, Own the Job Hunt. Um, and we're talking all about negotiating. So one of my favorite quotes um, is, you don't get what you deserve. You get what you negotiate. And I keep that in my head all the time. Patrick in Canada, we're going to we're gonna take your call, but we're running out of time here. So if you can give it to us really quickly, we will try and answer it on air. Hello. Hi, Patrick. Hi. Yeah, I just had, um, I just had a question there. Um, just transitioning from possibly a high-paying sales uh, commission job um, into a corporate job. Um, currently, it's a, a six-figure job that I'm in, but I've noticed even – Entry-level jobs that tend to be with corporate or corporations, uh, the salaries are going to be a lot less than what yes. I'm earning on a 100% commission job. Um, just wondering if you had any recommendations on kind of transitioning into that corporate world and how to negotiate uh, a higher salary, I guess, because Great question, like Patrick. So much less. Um, Tad, we have 30 seconds. I know this is going to be a challenge. Can you answer Patrick's question in 30 seconds? <laughs> I, I think you have to look really hard at all the skills and all the value you bring to a company so that you're not starting entry level, so that you can talk your way into a place that has a higher salary to start. Um, in, in 10 seconds, I can't really get into the actual negotiation. I know. I know. We make it hard. And the other thing, Patrick, is looking at the total compensation package. So, yes, and, you know, base salary may not be where you want to be. But look at sign-on bonuses. Yes, they're still happening. Look at, um, you know, annual bonuses for performance and merit. Look at vacation time. Look at all of the intangibles that add up to total comp. Because I think one of the mistakes people make is they just look at at, at base salary and then you miss a lot of those other things that actually put money in your pocket at the end of the month. So don't, don't just focus on one thing. Patrick, we love callers from Canada. Thanks for giving us a call on Career Talk. Hey, Ted, this has been awesome. The hour has flown by. Where can people reach you? At careernegotiations.com. That's careernegotiations with an S.com. And if you put in careernegotiations.com slash radio, you can download the introduction to our book. 
Awesome. And, and Tad's book, Own the Job Hunt, is coming out in 2018. So be on the lookout for that. So, hey, I want to thank Michelle and Dion. As always, for running the ship, but also for sharing your awesome negotiating experiences because all of those key points were what we wanted to cover today. It's like you guys knew. So thank you also to our listeners and especially our callers. You guys make this show and we love being here for you every week. Hey, you want more great advice? At Dr. Don Graham is my Twitter handle. And you've been listening to Career Talk on SiriusXM Channel 111, powered by the Wharton School. We will see you next time.